Good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of the Shula Ball Podcast brought to you by Five Reasons Sports. As always, you can find the podcast on Twitter at Shula Ball Pod. You can find the Five Reasons account on Twitter at the number Five Reasons Sports. We are your podcast for all things FAU and FIU football. In the meantime, uh, yeah, we are uh, coming to you. It is July 10th. And we are coming right off of the heels of the Big Ten Conference announcing that they will tentatively play a conference-only schedule in 2020. That game is affecting one FAU as the Owls were slated to, uh, Shane, correct me if I'm wrong, they were slated to begin the year at Minnesota, correct? Or was it the second game of the year? It was begin the year. It would actually been that opening Thursday night uh, before the Saturday. So, you know, uh, Minnesota, I guess, has a pretty long tradition of opening on Thursday night. So... It would have been that first true night of college football going into that first full uh, Labor Day weekend. There you go. So I don't have the uh, exact contract details, but, you know, I don't want to skip too far into the discussion. We're going to get into the meat of things. You got myself, Eric Henry, on the line. As you heard, we're joined by our FAU superfan slash FAU all things recruiting for the FAU Owls, and that's Shane Marinelli. And uh, some of the details that are kind of coming out here, or, or, or maybe lack of details, I should say, are pretty interesting. Like I said, with the Big Ten choosing to go to a conference-only schedule, it's affecting some Conference USA teams, not only FAU as well. Western Kentucky was scheduled to play Indiana. That game now looks as if it will not be played. And, uh, you know, right now you got to kind of toy around with the idea if some of the other conferences as well, or including Conference USA, were to choose to go to a conference-only schedule, how that would affect both FAU and FIU. I know Shane and I kind of want to jump on the horn here and kind of, you know, toss around a couple ideas just really quickly before we uh, I let Shane take over for the FAU perspective. As far as FIU goes, the non-conference games, of course, are the season opener scheduled 9-3 against Jacksonville State. The biggest or most high, most high-profile non-conference game of the year for FIU is the game slated 9-12 at Central Florida. And the other one is going to be 9-26 at Liberty. Both of those games, uh, or really all three of them, look to be in jeopardy at this point. Uh, the, maybe the UCF game, not so much, because uh, something I tweeted out last night. Uh, you would like to think that the UCF game could still be played. I'm not necessarily sure how you can rationalize a trip to El Paso, Texas, but not one three hours away via bus. So we'll have to see what the future holds for that if and when Conference USA chooses to go to a conference-only schedule. The latest I've heard, courtesy of Brett Vito from there at the uh, the Denton Record Denton Record Chronicle. I want to make sure I get that publication right. He uh, had some correspondence with Conference USA officials and Judy McLeod and said that they are keeping all their options on the table. So, Shane, uh, I know you kind of want to jump in here and just kind of talk about the, some of the ramifications of what that could uh, hold for college football going forward, specifically FAU and FIU. So let's jump right into it. Yeah, I think obviously um... – you know, this is something that when a lot of this stuff was happening, the big talk was, well, college football has time to figure this out. Uh, and, you know, you've heard a lot of the talk on the radio shows and uh, TV today that the biggest problem in college football is there's no one governing body. So the biggest thing <laughs> issue with college football is we haven't figured anything out. There's no set pattern or what's the best it seems like the big 10 just kind of kicked this off the acc quickly followed suit and i expect in the coming week uh the pac-12 uh and the big 12 to fall in line which will eventually force the sec to kind of fall in line they won't have a choice uh 
you know, with these uh, out-of-conference games. Obviously, you know, there's some major money power. You know, five games, they're supposed to be on TV. Michigan, Washington, uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Lambeau Field. Uh, but, you know, it's these money games that hurt uh Programs like FAU and other G5 programs, you know, FAU was slated to get $1.2 million to play Minnesota. Now, uh, there is, in most of these games, an act of God clause that basically says that the game cannot be played for kind of uncontrollable reasons, which we've seen due to hurricanes and things like that, uh, that Minnesota's not due the money. So, you know, I've kind of heard both sides that, you know, they some feel that they should get the money because if the Big Ten truly wanted to play this game, they could have. It's it's not completely out of the realm. It, it in a lot of ways, you know, you you kind of see some of the the jokes that it people are determining it's not safe for Iowa to play Iowa State, but uh, it's safe for Iowa to travel to Rutgers or Maryland. Okay, so uh, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, so, you know, who knows if they get that money now, you know, FIU now isn't directly affected, but it, if it all starts to kind of topple and could some of the lower conferences just decide that playing less games and less travel, I mean, and you know, we're also at the point where we're still seeing ten, like nearly 10,000 cases a day in the state of Florida. So, you know, Eric, you quickly uh, refuted or re- reported then I guess it was kind of backtracked on that the conference was talking about uh, having if five players test positive in a week, that that team wouldn't be able to play in that week. Is that correct? Yeah, really quick. Um, I'll I'll address the the reporting that I uh, um, that was about a week and a half ago. I'll address that really quick, and then I want to come back with something to you because I thought you made some really good points when we were talking off air about some of the contractual agreements and. Um, you know, you're a guy who's in the know and, and, you know, you talk to people who are in the know and, and, um, and uh, some of the details that they may or may not try to work out within the contract. I want to read some off to you really quickly, but as to my reporting, uh, let's give credit where it was, it was uh, Dave Hyde in the, uh, in the Sun Sentinel spoke to former FIU athletic trainer, Kevin O'Neill, who's retiring after a, you know, 45 year career. And Kevin O'Neill said that, and I don't know if, you know, I wasn't there when Dave was talking to him, so I don't know the context of the quote. But the quote essentially was that, uh, and I'm hopefully I'm quoting verbatim here. I know that in Conference USA they're talking about a deal where uh, if they, they'll test players, and if you have more than five positive tests before a game, then you you have to forfeit. You can't play. So I went ahead and I emailed Conference USA because I wanted to get uh, some clarification on that because that just seemed something that you know I hadn't heard at the time. So I went in and and spoke to um, uh, Russ Anderson, who actually is the I want to make sure I get Russ's uh, his his title correctly, but uh, Russ essentially works in media relations at Conference USA. And the direct quote I got back from Russ Anderson is the following: Conference USA has a committee that is comprising that is comprising COVID nineteen related recommendations for the upcoming athletic season. However, those are not final at the moment. So that quote is not exactly accurate. So uh, essentially, you know, in layman's terms, if and I don't want to speak for Russ here, but in layman's terms, what essentially he's saying is. All options are on the table. That could be one, but nothing is 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 definitive. Uh, and the quote from Kevin O'Neill kind of came off as if it was definitive. But Shane, I want to read something off to you really quickly because I know I tweeted this off to you yesterday. I believe it was in relation to the FAU Minnesota game and what legalities may come around 
the you know payment or lack thereof, as you mentioned, you made a really great point about these money games and how crucial they are to athletic departments. I want to read off what is a uh, a force majeure clause, uh, um, and for those who may not be familiar with the term, it essentially is just uh, it's an out clause. Is essentially what what the what the term is. But uh, Kara Ritchie, who's been doing a really good job of uh, tweeting some things out, she works for ninety five three The Ticket in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, follow her on Twitter. Re- definitely recommend following her. But she tweeted out a couple things. Shane, I want to read this off to you really quickly because I think this is interesting and I want to get your thoughts on it. The force majeure that she's tweeted out is from a 2013 agreement with Arkansas State and Miami. It reads as follows. This contract shall be void with, with respect to any of the games in the event it becomes impossible to play such game by reason of an unforeseen catastrophe or disaster such as fire, flood, earthquake, war, Epidemic slash pandemic, confiscation of order of government, military or public uh, authority or prohibitory or injunctive orders of any kind. Now, the only reason I'm reading that to you, Shane, not all contracts are going to be written the same. We've kind of talked about that publicly on your tweet. But I find it really interesting that in a 2013 agreement, they chose to outline pandemic. None of us are attorneys here. However, the point that I was kind of making to you, and I think it's worth noting here on the air is I do think that the bigger conferences are going to try to tie this thing up legally like all hell if the smaller conferences try to say, hey, you know, you also check. Well, I think the other key word in there uh, and uh, the other key word in there is impossible. Okay. Um, right. So the, the sure. I think sure. the are they're just going to say it, it wasn't impossible. You went and played Michigan next week where you had them at home. Uh, it could have been played. So, you know, it, it, obviously, uh, you know, uh, jokingly, the Supreme Court just finished up yesterday. So this <laughs> 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 could have been an exit. Um, I, I know there's more important things going on in the country than college football money games. But, yeah, that's obviously, you know, going to come down to, you know, a, a pretty tough decision that you kind of see both sides. Now, I tend to lay on the side of, uh, you know, there's a couple things. I think there's two points to this. I do think there, and maybe this is not conspiracy, but I, I do think there's a little bit of a malicious, a, a malicious, malicious? Intent by, sure. by, the, by the power five schools. And not so much malicious, more just they don't care. Okay? And there's a little bit of an element of, I think there's going to be some bad PR, especially like, I know everyone's made the example of Ohio state was paying a record uh, $2.2 million to Bowling green uh, for their money game this year. Now is Ohio state a school that probably one of 15 college football programs in the country that truly don't have major financial issues you know they can get through this i mean we even look at a school like stanford had to cut uh 11 olympic sports so even most of the p5 you know is is going to have major issues with this ohio state can get through this okay there's money in the bank and there's donors they can hit up so Ohio state really gonna be part of just not destroying but not given a helping hand to an athletic program within its own state over some over 2.2 million, which is 
got in the end to Ohio State that has 131, their football program grossed $131 million last year. Man, is that, you know, is that great PR? I mean, you know, we'll, I think fans can look at it here and go, the P5 just keeps separating themselves, separating themselves. People are going to look around and be like, what is this all for? Hey, Shane, really quick. I want you to, because I'm really glad you mentioned Ohio State and the point you just made. I was looking for a tweet that I saw as you were talking. I just pulled it back up. I'm going to have you take a quick guess here. What amount do you think that Ohio State paid opponents for football games in 2018, in terms of essentially money games in 2018? Just take a, a, a dollar, I guess, at a, a dollar figure. They played three money games at home last year, FAU, Cincinnati, and Miami of Ohio, if I'm correct. Uh, I'm going to say the average is probably in the $1.7 million range, so three, so probably somewhere from $4.5 to $5 million. Okay, I want to make sure I'm sourcing this here. The source is actually school contracts because uh, I got a public – it's a public university here, so it's a school contracts is a source. $8.2 million. In 2018, so that just goes to it. Just furthers your point that they're not hurting for the, um, like you said, the 2.2 or whatever it is that they're slated to pay Bowling Green. They got it. Just uh, I just wanted to mention that to further your point. Yeah, and and, and there's no doubt Ohio State's going to take a loss financially this year. Their argument is, I get it. You know, 110,000 people in Columbus on a Saturday probably makes them more than that. Uh, But you know, again. you know, in a time where it's we're in this together and, you know, kind of help thy neighbor, Ohio State, within a school that's in its own state, you know, the, the little guy next door, where probably a lot of your fans went to school and root for Ohio State. You're going to say, oh, man, yeah, we get your athletic department struggling, but we can't spare you for a game. We're going to fight you in court over a couple million dollars. You know, even settle. Give them half. You know what I mean? That's so – you know, I, I just I, I don't think a few Power Five teams using this as an opportunity to separate themselves even further is the best uh, idea here. Really and, quick, or, or go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, finish that thought. No, no, no. I, I was going to transition, but asking the next. No, no. You, you I'm, I'm actually curious what you got because we can come back to what I was going to say. I was going to take a different angle. One of the things no, that I've noticed. That, go for it, Shane. Go what you have. Go what you have. Okay, well, one of the things that I've, I've kind of noticed, and I do think it's something that you'll take into account, um, if, if you push it back to, you know, right now we're talking about a conference-only schedule, and we know some of the things that are just silly about Conference USA, like you said, FIU has games at UTEP, uh, at Western Kentucky. I mean, I'm just looking at what their shortest road trip of the – well, the shortest road trip is UCF. The furthest road trip in conference is going to be UTEP. Um, there are a couple options that are that are kind of being banned out there. One of the things that I found interesting was potential. The ACC is actually talking about this, or at least was reported, at a potential of a 10-game season, but you do five home-and-homes. And I think if you really want to talk about player safety and kind of neutralizing the potential widespread ramification of this, I think that's a solid idea. Uh, I just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on that really quick because I, I could look at games on the schedule here. You can do FAU home-and-home. You can do Charlotte home and home. You can do middle home and home. Uh, if you want to, you can do Western Kentucky home and home. But I, you can just play the entire East home and home and, and still make out in a, in a better situation than having to, uh, you know, go to UTEP, UMass, or uh, Liberty for, for that, uh, all intents and purposes. Yeah, I, and 
But the thing is, and what's tough in college, and which makes it so much tougher than the other sports, is what every school kind of has different priorities, right? So, you know, maybe that makes sense on paper, but could I lie to you and tell – would it be crazy to think that FAU's athletic department wants to sit back and see if something dramatically changes in the next 30 days uh, COVID count-wise so maybe they can get off the – FAU-USF game and maybe do half attendance because that's money they wouldn't have had before. Sure. You know, like is it to wait it out for something like that. That's kind of the issue here with college football. You know, the NBA has the one body. They know what their goal is. Who you play, you know, like, for example, the Heat schedule changed these final few games, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Schedule, we know in college football, is everything, right? Who you play at home, who brings more money? What's more interesting on television? All the co- television contracts are interesting. So everyone's going to kind of hold out and see what the best case scenario is, right? Would it, would it make sense for, you know, real quick, if FB, you know, the, the lower conference is like, okay, we don't feel a need. We don't feel it's any safer difference between playing 10 and 12 games at a conference in a conference. All the traveling is kind of the same. You know, Marshall coming down to FAU and uh, which is near Broward County, which is one of the highest COVID rate counties in the world. You know, what are we doing here? Could FAU just call up UCF and be like, Hey, you lost your North Carolina game. We were supposed to play on Thursday. You guys just want to play on, but it, it feels like in everything else in cultural, everyone's kind of holding out for something better instead of just someone making a move and saying, this is the plan. So Shane, really quick, what was the point that you want to transition to? So we can get that in uh, really quick here. Well, that was that kind of transition. Okay. It was you know, okay. just kind of what was your thoughts on, you know, our teams kind of replacing it? You know, what happens if, uh, you know, with FIU, you know, what if Jacksonville's, I don't know if Jacksonville State's going to, but, you know, FIU doesn't have a money game, so it puts them. But what if UCF is like, okay, you know, we're taking a loss. We don't want to, there's no point in having FIU come up here. You know, what's, do, do we start calling around to Sunbelt teams and being like, hey, let's, just, let's set up a quick little Coastal Carolina come down here or, or Georgia State? You know, it's Shane, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because in my personal opinion, and I like I said, I, I, I said this to you off air for the benefit of our listeners. I haven't uh, I don't have the contract details on me. Uh, I FOIA it, but I'll make sure to get that out on either via Twitter, whether it's a Chulable Pod Twitter, my Twitter or the next episode as far as the uh, contractual agreements with UCF and FIU. But one of the things I think that if you're a conference USA in the Sun Belt, you strongly need to consider given the fact that you may be losing out on a money game or two is you need to collaborate and say, Hey, look, all the schools in Texas can go play each other. Right. So you, you can, you can get the schools in Texas and the schools in Louisiana from among conference USA and the Sun Belt to play each other and say, Hey, we've got a schedule ready to go. So that if in the event there is football and games start getting canceled, we can do something. Uh, I'll even give you an example of Notre Dame. If the Pac-12 were to go to a conference-only schedule, Notre Dame's going to lose out on Stanford and USC. The first thing Jack Swarbeck is going to do, who's the AD at uh, Notre Dame, is he's going to call the ACC and say, hey, we've already got an agreement in place with you guys. We're in the ACC for for, uh, basketball, I believe three or four sports. Let's do a one-year agreement, right? Let's get us in. And we need to replace some games. So I think conferences need to be proactive, specifically Conference USA, in taking that approach. If you're an FIU, it's very easy to say, hey, okay, all right, if we lose 
if Conference USA says we're going to go to a conference-only schedule, whatever that may look like, you need to get on the phone and say, hey, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, if we're going to lose a Jacksonville State, I still don't see why the UCF game wouldn't be played. It just doesn't make logistical sense to me to, to go to El Paso but not Orlando. But you got to get on the horn and start doing these things. And I would think FAU would be doing the same things as well. That just would seem to make common sense. And if there's a, you also have a little, a, a little bit of a difference here. You know, you've seen the, the kind of joke on Twitter, CBS four uh, tweeted it out. And, and I think this year it, it's becoming more apparent, especially if more games get canceled and we haven't even talked about what happens when college students show back up and, you know, every week, 10 teams start reporting they have 30 coronavirus cases, which is going to happen. Right. Uh, is the point of this season in a lot of ways, this isn't about winning, losing, getting rings or anything like that. It's about just get enough games to let some of your seniors get some film. I think that's the priority here, right? Uh, and let, let your guys get some playing time. You know, I even tweeted out yesterday things to start thinking about. Uh, and this is something coaches thought to Eric, I want your thought on this is if let's say FAU and FIU do go to an eight game schedule, Right. Now, here's another question, Carpenter said. Is the redshirt rule still four games played on an eight-game schedule, right? So my question is, is let's, you know, if you're FAU, what's to stop you to be like Malcolm Davidson, who's going into his true junior year, and Larry McCammon, who's going into his true uh, sophomore year, sophomore and there's year. a few other players like that. Akias Leroy, who, if he's still on the team, going into his true senior year, be like, no, you, and you can even do this with the, most of the incoming freshman class. Be like, half of you play the first four games, the other halves play the last four games. Anyone who's eligible to redshirt, pending if you want to, you're going to redshirt this year. We don't care. It, like, if the season we just go four and four, don't really risk anyone. Just kind of run through the system, let our seniors play it out, and we're just going to load up for next year on a quick turnaround into 2021. I mean, w- would that be? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few handful of teams that have that thought, especially if you go to a conference-only schedule. If you slip up and you go 0-2 in the first two games. So, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding you correctly. What you're kind of saying is that some teams could go to essentially the saying, hey, if we're only going to play eight, we got our star guys for FAU. Um, Kiki Leroy is not there. But if you got a, a, a B.J. Emmons or Malcolm Davidson, hey, you get your four in, you red shirt. And then we're going to get the young guys for and try to bring back an entire crew in 2021. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And especially you might not even have that into the year, but especially let's say you're a team like uh, Charlotte, who's on a team that's on the verge. And maybe you just get off to a a quick, you lose a couple close games. You're 0-2 in conference, right? Or you start one and three. And then you're looking at the last four games and be like, this is a pre, this is our spring practice. This is a preseason right now. Anyone who's a redshirt, No, I didn't mean to cut you off, Shane. I was going to actually defer to you here because you're someone who follows recruiting much more closely than I do. Would you not have a scholarship issue there? Because if, uh, unless you're going to say, unless the, and of course, the unless NCAA. Run, is, are, go ahead, Shane. You'd have to run through your numbers first and see right. that it. Of course. Most of teams, course. though, with the 25 man uh, a year rule, uh, you know, most teams are under scholarships. So, like, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago, like, FAU's only playing with, like, 78 or 79 this year, so they don't 
you can only since you can only take twenty five a year and with all the attrition of transfers and stuff. So great, you'd have to have this conversation with individual players first, right? Like you, you'd have to get uh, someone. You, you don't want to redshirt uh, a senior who is going to leave after this year anyways to get the extra year with him and then find out he just hits the portal or goes to the draft anyways, right? I, 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 I was going to say, I think you hit uh, – yeah. that was going to be my next point, which is not the, not only the portal for that. Um, I wrote an article on this two years ago, and I, I probably write a follow-up uh, if we have time this offseason about essentially – group of five football becoming you know training grounds for power five schools we've seen plenty of kids for example obi obialo at charlotte at charlotte at marshall last year got his four games in showed that he still was a talented player and said hey i'm heading back to oklahoma this time to play for the sooners it makes me wonder and i'm just throwing a monkey wrench in your hypothetical here if you take a guy like a larry mccammon or you know some of these stud backs who fau has we've talked about how deep their backfield is and you say hey you're going to have to come back another year and McCam, excuse me, and Davidson and Emmons are still in front of you. What's to stop them from saying, hey, okay, I'll take my four games, get some tape, red shirt, and then go elsewhere. So I just think that's another monkey wrench you have to worry about. Yeah, like I said, though, it's, it's something you just you have to weigh if you're a program and this season's only eight games. I doubt there'll be bowl games, especially you know, if we don't have a vaccine by December, right? I, I doubt they're going to do bowl games. So Maybe you maybe you just have some of this and the 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 transfer maybe transferring a couple tr- I mean um, redshirting a couple true seniors, but you know you definitely let your all your freshmen play half the games right. I know that wouldn't hurt anyone. Uh, you know, there's there's schools who might just if, especially if they like I said lose a couple conference games early, might just turn this into kind of a hypothetical preseason especially if there's no fans right and there isn't all this obligation to put you know the best product on the field and try and win for the people paying for tickets and stuff and you you know your coach comes out and says hey you know we're just going to get a lot of guys work and we're going to come into next year ready to go so you know it's just some things to obstacles and things to think about that could be in the mind process of a few coaches out there and them weighing the pros and cons of it. No, absolutely. And of course, you know, the point of this episode really is just kind of, you know, we're going to try do the best that we can to try and play catch up with the news but, as it happens. Or go ahead, For Jay. example, real quick, just for example, yeah, and yeah. is, 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 uh, King, you know, and I thought about, and this is another scenario. What if, and, and I really want to know how the NCAA would, say about this let's look at a school like miami with um king right he's obviously he grad transferred to um this was supposed to be a huge year for um as they finally kind of have a really good vet quarterback what if it goes down to eight games and manny diaz is saying man this season is insane we're already at eight games we're probably might have two or three more canceled with players testing positive what happens if a player comes out and says they don't feel safe playing this year. Are they going to get a medical red shirt? That's I mean, going to argue that. And what if King says, I don't feel safe playing this year because he really, in, in one, you couldn't blame him. Two, what if he's like, nah, I, I don't want to go put my last senior tape of five conference games. Well, we're practicing. We, have, we had to cancel practice four times during the season because there was too many COVID cases. I'm going to sit out because I don't want to. 
uh, and this could be for any senior, I'm scared to play. I'm apply for a quote unquote medical red shirt. Stop me from playing next year. But then you put it right back in the NCAA's hands and are, and are they, listen, if you're asking me my opinion in a perfect world, the NCAA would come out as a, as a governing body, which unfortunately, you know, cultural ball doesn't have one governing body, but the NCAA would come out and say, Hey, look, this circumstance is beyond belief. This is the act of God unforeseen scenario. Any player who feels that this year is just going to be such a wash. If we cannot get a traditional season in, in some form or fashion, whether it's spring or fall, will, you know, you get a mulligan, come on back. But I, I think you're opening up a can of worms there. If the MCA is not going to be uh, not going to be thrilled to go down that rabbit hole. No, they won't be, but like, they have to, and this is just kind of my point with all this. There they, they have to, huh? They have to, they, Shane. No, there's, there's, but the NCAA with whether questions with games or how many COVID cases or you know all these type of things, they have to address them. And some, they, they have to come out on one side or the other. Is my Shane. point. No, no, okay, I'm. I get they're the NCAA. We're talking about a pretty incompetent. <laughs> Um, like it, we're, t- we're talking about maybe the useless quote, most useless, th- just plain good for nothing governing body <laughs> in the entire universe. But there, there's a lot of things that, um, have, they're going to have to answer all these issues are going to come up and someone's going to have to pick a side on some of them. I completely agree with you, but I think if we're leaving that in the NCAA's hands, a governing body, which, for example, and unfortunately, I cannot remember the kid's name. He was looking for a transfer waiver because his grandmother had cancer and his grandmother passed away. And he wanted to go play closer to home and they denied his waiver. So yeah, he's trying to go to very, he's trying to Cincinnati. I believe it was Cincinnati or East Carolina player. And he's transferring to Virginia Tech, some of that nature. Right. Maybe yeah. Versa, but yeah. 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 So, but so, Martel gets so so really quick you know we want to go ahead and just kind of like i said with the point of these episodes we're going to kind of try to be as as you know um we're going to try to stay in tune with the breaking news as much as we can kind of give the perspective on how it may affect fau and fiu but really quick want to end it on kind of a fun note here uh shane i, I hope i'm not betraying your trust by doing this We've had a lot of uh, fun debates off air about, uh, you know, FAU fans versus Marshall running back Brendan Knox. Uh, really quickly here, w- want to ask you this, okay? Uh, do you think, Shane, do you think FAU and Marshall play again, uh, ideally sometime this year, right? Uh, do you think that Marshall and Brendan Knox will kind of have some bulletin board material from, you know, the FAU faithful and vice versa, do you think that, you know, maybe the Malcolm Davidson's Larry McCammons of the world will uh, be out there and kind of a chip on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, what you did last year was cool, was cool and cute, but it was aided by the refs and, and, and you know, we're going to put out a better performance. Just want to have a little quick uh, Brendan Knox talk here for the, uh, for the FAU faithful here on the pod. I think some of it stems from that uh, a little bit from the, the – the the uh, the article of ranking of conference USA running backs right that FAU is kind of I mean let, let's let's also you, you talk about FAU's running back James Charles who was probably fourth on the depth chart most of the year ran for nearly a hundred yards and a couple of scores in a bowl game versus an American nearly top twenty five American opponent right this is the guy going into next year who's probably your third or fourth back 
right? And that's not even a criticizing to him. He's a solid back. Uh, my argument is just I think Malcolm Davidson is potentially in the most explosive back in Conference USA. He averaged nearly seven yards of carry last year, a lot of it playing hurt. I mean, he said recently in an interview he played that second half of the FIU game as a broken toe. So, <laughs> and then B.J. Emmons, who after breaking his foot, comes back and scores six touchdowns. You know, probably wasn't even 100% shape yet. So to make the argument that those two guys are talented, if not more than Brendan Knox, it's not even a knock on Brendan Knox. It's like, you know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm. And I, I don't think it's to be bulletin board material. I, I don't think FAU needs to get up to play Marshall. That game always kind of has a lot of uh, hate into it just because, Marshall recruits so heavily down here. I think I counted last year they had 30 players on their roster from down here. And FAU has some games that go back that were kind of crazy from the routine Cato days. But Marshall, so FAU definitely gets up for that game. I know Marshall fans don't feel it's a rivalry, but I know FAU fans definitely do. It's definitely a rivalry. And really quick, I'll just give my two cents on that. You know, uh, I, 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 I love the optimism from FAU fans, but, you know, Comparing Chris Robinson as a quarterback to Isaiah Green, it's not even in this league or in the stratosphere. You know, Brendan Knox faced nine and, and eight-man boxes the entire year, and I'll just read this off. 23 carries, 220 yards, 9.6 yards a pop, two TDs. So uh, it, until you fix that. that 50-yard run at the end uh, that, you know, is uh, garnered by some black and white help. Uh, <laughs> some black and white construct help. <laughs> No, no, Shane was saying take with the grain. Complaining about that one. <laughs> All right, it guys, isn't yeah. a knock on Brennan Knox. I mean, no, 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 is, no, 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 none of this Malcolm is a knock. Davis loaded, explosive, and BJ Emmons, a former borderline five-star recruit from West Virginia. Okay, um, so Marshall fans should know the talent of BJ Emmons alone. You know, I, it, it, it's. He's probably the third best back in, in Conference USA. It's just that FU has the best two. That's all I'm saying. Oh <laughs> all right. Yeah, now I think it's, it's officially time to wrap this one up right here. Uh, I think Spencer Brown, among others, will have some uh, some uh, uh, thoughts on that. But that aside, um, <laughs> thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we cannot grow without your feedback. So please feel free to leave us any feedback, any thoughts. You can DM us. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. You can find the podcast at Shula Bowl Pod. And feel free to DM Five Reason Sports at the number Five Reason Sports. Uh, we're going to be working on some things throughout the offseason again, you know, no matter how long it is. Going to try to keep working on some cool things, crank out some content for you guys. And most of all, uh, you know, just try to represent FAU and FIU as the best we can. Shane, go ahead. What's up, man? When you think, when you say no matter how long it is, that's funny because I was just thinking about if there's no season, that means approximately 14 more months of who's better, Brendan Knox or Malcolm Davidson talk. Listen, I I can tell you right now, I I won't be hosting this podcast if we're doing 14 more months of who's better, Brendan (laughs) Brendan Knox or Malcolm Davidson. I can tell you right now, we'll be doing Q&As, at which point we'll be answering any and everything. So you thought we wouldn't, you thought we didn't have anything before? (laughs) Yeah, should, 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 should I file a zero or a one on my taxes this year? We'll... <laughs> um, yeah, really quick once again, you know, please feel free to leave us any feedback. Um, find the podcast on- online at shulabowlpod.podbean.com. 
Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back with you soon. Um, we still have another episode uh, that should come out actually before this one. So the episode you should be listening to before you heard this one was our interview with um, the essay, the, excuse me, the Sports Illustrated writer from Maryland. We talk about FIU quarterback Max Bordenschlager. Once go ahead and thank him for coming on as well. And thank you guys for listening, and uh, tune in next time.